Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined as always by Matt Chamberlain. How are you doing, Matt? How am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sleep deprived, I'm tired, but the NBA just, it, it does things to me, Ryan. What an incredible opening to this free agency. It's like one of the most wild like free agencies we've had in a while. Just absolutely insane. We're going to dive into that on this episode of the Couch GM Podcast here in a second. But uh, before that, let me remind you to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod and on Instagram at Couch GM Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook um, if that is your social media platform of choice. For a lot of people, it is not, and I don't blame you. <laughs> you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher if you haven't already. Leave, a, leave us a review uh, and a rating, and we would greatly appreciate that. I'm going to quickly recap episode 38 because we have a lot of shenanigans to get to, Matt. Uh, the Lakers, we talked about the Lakers creating max cap space uh, with Anthony Davis waving his $4 million trade kicker. Uh, we talked about players already opting into their contracts before the start of free agency. Our predictions for free agents staying or growing and other guys we're concerned about for heading into free agency. Now we're going to talk about free agency. The biggest thing, the biggest thing that's going on, probably in sports right now, and we got like a a soccer World Cup going on. We got NHL free agency, uh, Major League Baseball playing in another country. Irrelevant, irrelevant, because this is the best sport. It is. Oh, by far. It helps me drown out the sorrows of the Red Sox getting slapped (laughs) around over in London. Um... But free agency and all the and all the money is everything. Oh my goodness! There's so much money thrown around in the last couple of days. Like, if you weren't a basketball player, like now as a kid, like get into it. I would say put the football down. <laughs> go go pick up basketball. Stop getting concussions and go make a couple million dollars playing in the NBA. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about free agency. I think let's start off with the big guys first, right? Like, tier one guys. We, we got to. So, we'll start with the two that paired up. Because this is, this is the huge shift. And it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving taking their, their universal peace and tranquility <laughs> together to Brooklyn for, or a respected four-year $164 million deal for Kevin Durant and a four-year $141 million deal for Kyrie Irving. Bonkers. Just absolutely bonkers. Kevin Durant apparently likes playing with guards. A lot. And DeAndre Jordan, for whatever reason. Oh my gosh. We'll get to it in a little bit. But, like, just the fact that Brooklyn was able to pull this off after everything Brooklyn's been through the last decade, good and bad, mostly bad, to get to this point to where they were able to get both of these guys and just at the same time punch the Knicks in the face. I mean, just repeatedly punch the Knicks in the face. Like that that's everything to me. This is like the greatest day in Nets basketball, like greatest like day days in Nets basketball history while like New York is like crying. Like the <laughs> Knicks are just like sobbing. Like they were so convinced they were going to get Katie and Kyrie. I feel like they like like one of their like front office people overheard a conversation like Katie and Kyrie are coming to New York and just assumed it would be the Knicks. Not turns the Knicks. Out, turns out New York is bigger than just the Knicks. I'll say Brooklyn in itself is huge. Yeah, like, 
yes, they, they've had some attendance problems. I don't think they're going to have attendance problems anymore. Like, they're real. This is as real of a team as it gets in the NBA now. I mean, you, I know KD probably won't play this year. So the Nets, you can't say they're title favorites for this year. But for the next five years, you got to say in three or four of those, they're going to be right there as a title favorite. Barring, yeah. barring some Lakers madness. But they're going to be right there. Yeah. I mean, you get, before his injury, maybe the best player in the league on your team. Even before, like, after the injury, he's still going to be really good. Yeah. Like, they're, like shooting, you just don't lose shooting, like, from a no. Achilles injury. He's still going to be good in pick and roll. Kyrie's still going to be good. Like, and Kyrie's still young. And that's the th- part about this is, like, you're getting him going into his prime. As long as the, like, other shenanigans around Kyrie can kind of resolve itself. And maybe it will because he had chose Brooklyn. Yeah. He, he's, this is the first time he's had a choice since picking to go to Duke. Yeah. Like, put it that way. Like, he didn't choose to go to Cleveland. Who, who wants to go to Cleveland? Apparently LeBron. <laughs> I guess. And, uh, and then he left twice. Uh, <laughs> Kyrie got traded to Boston. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, this is his home now. Because he grew up in the area. His dad was from around there. Like, Boston was a very real place for their family. And then in two years, it's gone. Yep. He's out. And now he says he's going home, like to to his place he considers his real home, which is Brooklyn. So that's on some levels a Celtics fan. Like, I I don't want to see Kyrie go because he's an elite basketball talent. Like that can't be overlooked. For all the the crap he does and brings to a team, you can't overlook the talent there. Like he doesn't hit those big shots in the NBA Finals. That's just a right regular dude. Right. He is an elite NBA point guard, like an all-time elite NBA point guard. Him changing teams, especially just going right down the road to Brooklyn, like this is a huge, huge deal. Even if Katie's not playing this year, Kyrie elevates this team past Boston for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like you uh, look at the core they have in Dinwiddie, Levert, who was – Early on, most improved player of the year. Mm-hmm. Before that uh, horrific an- ankle injury, he was able to come back and play in the playoffs. Still have Joe Harris. Still have Joe Harris. You made a pretty good run at Philly for most of those yeah. games in that series. Like you, you went down five games, but most of those games were close. If D'Angelo Russell can hit a, f- a couple more shots and not be just wildly inefficient, then that's a different series. And you got to trust Kyrie Irving is at least. Two bet two more shots per game better than D'Angelo Russell. I would take that bet. Yeah, like most nights. Yeah, uh, and you're just like, and then when KD starts to play, like you nailed it on the head. Unfortunately, he's we're a year away from seeing them together on the court, but it's gonna be a really fun team to watch. I mean, it has to just be the epitome of like how you build a team, right? Like you build it through the draft. You find like value guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, like was cut and like. Twice, yeah. Like LeBron did not want Joe Harris on his team. <laughs> like he's got he's got moved around. You find value in that. You you find a good draft picks and Karis LeVert. You worked your way to get a D'Angelo Russell, who got you even into this position. Like you drafted a Jared Allen and made that situation work. And then when the time came, you had the flexibility, the the time, the space to make it happen for a a guy like this or guys like these, and you did. Without top 10 picks, Brooklyn literally has built a perfect, quote-unquote perfect, team. Yeah. I mean, it's impressive. Like, three years ago, 
didn't have anything. Dead in the water. Uh, I mean, really. One of the worst teams in the NBA, and now they're maybe one of the best. I mean, we haven't seen this on the court yet, but for sure, like, roster construction-wise, Sean Marks has done an incredible job of flipping that culture around. Um, and props to the Brooklyn Nets for not giving up and, like, actually being smart with the team. Whereas, like, you go down the road to the Knicks, and they have these young players that people aren't really that enthusiastic about. I mean, a little bit like Mitchell Robinson. And then incompetent ownership. And you see then the complete opposite of yeah. what it looks like to just say, like, they're going to come to us because they're going to come to us. We're the Knicks. That's, that's not a reason. Like, that's not a, not a good reason anymore. And they obviously have walked away, in terms of what they were looking for, empty-handed. Right. Now, in theory, the Knicks have given out still a lot of money, and we'll, we'll talk more on the Knicks in a little <laughs> bit, but not to KD, Kyrie, Kawhi, Jimmy, the guys they were actually looking to sign. Yeah. And, like, that's... I mean, you nailed it on the head. It's the epitome of what the Knicks have been in the last 20 years. Like, you trade away your best player for Cap hope. Place. And... Like, six months in advance, you trade him away. And the owner goes on, like, radio and says, like, oh, this is going to be a good summer for us. Yeah. Don't do not do that. Um, that's, my, that's my pro tip. <laughs> so, one of those guys we mentioned that the Knicks are going for, but didn't get, could have got, but clearly wasn't interested in them, was Jimmy Butler. He instead gets signed and traded to the Miami Heat, which... One, there's a Philly backlash to this because, um, Philly, did you not watch the playoffs last year? <laughs> Jimmy Butler was um, definitely your best player. Sign and trade to Miami on a four-year, $141 million deal. It's a lot of cash for Jimmy Butler. I know Jimmy's had his issues, how it ended in Chicago, how it ended in Minnesota, some tensions in Philly when he was there. Although, I'll give him credit, the Philly stint, actually, I would say went pretty well for Jimmy Butler. Like, there wasn't a ton yep. of, yep. like, reporting, like, Jimmy Butler, like, hates it. Jimmy Butler, like, make, makes other people's life hard here in Philly. Like, there wasn't that out there. If anything, he ended up being their best player, um, especially when it mattered. Now he goes to Miami. And although I feel like he's going there because, not because it's the best situation, it's because of where he wants to be. I, I don't know if, out of all the things Philly ended up doing, this, this, to me, knocks what they did otherwise down a notch. Yeah. I mean, they gave up a lot of assets. I mean, not a lot. They ultimately only gave up Covington and Sarich. Sarich. And eventually, like, Minnesota even gave up Sarich. So maybe they would move those guys anyway. And, you know, you roll the dice and uh, you saw it work out for Oklahoma City. You might see it work out with Toronto and Kawhi. And you just try to go get your guy. What side of this doesn't make sense for me is Jimmy going to why Miami? Like, like if you're so, <laughs> so convinced on winning, like this is not the situation for you, right? Like, yeah. Like why? Like I want a Miami, or Miami Vice Jimmy Butler jersey, but other than that, like there's not a lot. I think in my like, are are you just gonna be unhappy like you were in Chicago eventually? It's like he mentioned like he. He liked the way it seemed they treated their stars there between the LeBron years or how this has gone out for Dwayne Wade. And, I mean, throughout his entire career, but then now how it's gone out. There's that Marquette connection with Jimmy yep. and Dwayne Wade. I think 
seeing that, seeing the lifestyle he can have down in Miami, I mean, obviously he's traveled plenty to Miami um, throughout his playing career, but then in the off season also like Jimmy Butler frequently goes down there. Like maybe he just sees like, this is where I want my, my life, my family to be. And you know, it's not, Miami isn't in position to do something in these, like they'll make the playoffs yeah, for sure. Not sure they can get out of the first round as the team's currently constructed, but Miami can still make moves. Miami can still get stuff done. The one thing that is uh, a plus for Miami's roster is they have a lot of those middle contracts that the Celtics kind of got hammered for not having. They only had Marcus Smart as like a tradable asset that because like they, that's the only way to make the money work. Yep. Miami's got a lot of those guys, <laughs> and they're a lot of them are expiring either this year or next year. So you have potential to get off of a lot of these guys for players that can come in and, and really help you. So there, there's potential for Miami to build a team here around Jimmy Butler, but maybe also he just wants to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, that that's a, like if he would have stayed in Philly, like there would always be question, is it Embiid's team? Is it Butler's team? Is it Ben Simmons' team? And like Philly even after all the deals they made yesterday, and we'll get that into that here in a second, like it's very like signaled like this is Ben Simmons' team. Yeah. Or even Joel's team. Like however you want to frame it. It's our young guy's team. Um, but, I mean, good for Jimmy Butler to go get his money. Like this is what he wanted. He wanted to get paid. And Miami was the team we all thought he was going to go to before he landed in Philly. So, I mean, he made a quick stop in Philly and – almost helped them win a championship honestly yeah. like they were close they were four bounces away from possibly winning a championship yep so the the details of the sign trade because we're just now kind of getting the details on what all has taken to get this this is insane because you always hear like oh yeah you know this would be a, you can't really use one for one they need a third team well now technically there's a fourth team involved and so it's miami gets jimmy butler and myers leonard from portland portland gets hassan whiteside Philly gets Josh Richardson from the Heat. And then the Clippers in here just taking assets. <laughs> get Mo Harkless and a future first from Miami. The year on that has not been announced yet. The earliest it can be is 2023, though. I mean, like, I don't want to rant and rave about something other than Jimmy Butler in this, but, like, Clippers super smart just like sliding in to get like mo harkless and a f future first from like miami who potentially could be really bad in the future yeah like, really bad it could by that point in time again that's down the road um and that's the thing you got into the lakers and the pelicans that anthony davis trade is like those picks are so far out you have no idea what this team's gonna be like it it could be a lottery team by that point and there's a decent chance of that so you get on that, and for the Clippers, you didn't sacrifice your Kawhi space yeah. either. Yeah. Just the way you can time these moves out. So it's like, this is perfect for the Clippers. You just got another good youngish player and a future first. A good defender Excellent. too. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I mean, like the, I like that better deal better for Miami now. You can get off Hassan Whiteside and kind of play Bam out of bio more. Yeah. Really go to that, and you still have. Apparently, you still have Kelly Olynyk on the roster <laughs> to, to to play. They're probably going to bring back Udonis Haslam. Still play the man. James Johnson can be a small ball guy. Like you have some options. 
still. Yeah, Eric and, Spolstra, Eric Spolstra is going to get a, a guy who can actually play basketball and coach him. Like that's what mm-hmm. that, that that's what Miami has been missing, and maybe you can keep Goran Dragic for a little bit until trade deadline and then deal him. But like it feels like this, like maybe more so than I originally thought. This Miami team has yeah. more potential than what I. Mo Harkless just tweeted out, "Anybody got Kawhi's number?" <laughs> <laughs> shout out, shout out, Mo Harkless. Shout out, Mo Harkless. Um, let's talk about the other Philly deals. We just talked about them trading for Josh Richardson. So this is what. This is what really got my head spinning, honestly. Like, trying to keep up with the Miami, Dallas, not Dallas, Dallas again, not Dallas again thing. Like, that that was nuts. But this is what really got me going here. Tobias Harris re-signing with Philly. I saw, I could have seen that coming. Yeah. But he signed for five years, $180 million on day one of free agency. That's a lot of money. And Al Horford on day one of free agency. <laughs> Big Al, four years, potentially up to $109 million, $97 million of it is guaranteed. You got to figure he'll meet some of those incentives. So let's just call it $100. Yeah. Let's just call it $100. $25 million a year guaranteed for Al Horford. That's a lot of money. What? <laughs> I mean, like, in that last year of that Al deal, like, it's going to hurt. Like, it's going to hurt. Like, that's just what it is. Tobias Harris for five for 180, though, I think is going to be the, not the backbreaker, but that's so many years and so much money. It is. For a guy that, I'm not going to say he disappeared in the playoffs, but, like, didn't seem overly present. Didn't seem overly there to, like, take over when they needed someone to. Like, in, like he had good moments, like, for sure. But... And then there were parts, I guess, during the regular season where like, Tobias Harris was like a good player for them and like really helpful for them. But man, like for a dude who just kind of like sits back and just kind of waits for the ball, it feels like on this Philly team, that's a lot of money. And maybe they, but but maybe they wanted that. They wanted a very clear pecking order. It's Joel and Ben, and then it's Alan, Al Horford and Tobias Harris, and then it's now we know Josh Richardson. Like yeah. there is a very clear tier one. Tier two, tier three. And maybe, I mean, maybe that's the thing that Boston was missing. We talked about that a lot on this podcast. And, like, it's going to be clear, like, Al Horford is going to play four. Tobias Mm -hmm. is going to have to play three. I think they're going to get in some sticky situations with Tobias guarding other small forwards. This is a huge lineup. It's massive. Like, it's so big. Between Ben Simmons and Josh Richardson in the backcourt. Yeah. And then... Tobias Harris, Al Horford, because you have to start Al Horford. Yeah. You have to. And Joel Embiid in the front court. Like, we're going back to 1980. Straight up. <laughs> like, there's... Uh, like, all those guys can kind of shoot. It's not like... Like, Al Horford's, what, like a f- mid-30s three-point shooter? Yeah, career. like, he, he's career average. Like, he's shown, obviously, the ability to do it, because he really wasn't asked to do it earlier in his career. Like, he can do it now, but it's one of those, like... As a Boston fan, like, I really love Al Horford, but, like, I'm not going to act like Al Horford hit every big shot possible. Like, right. He he misses quite a bit in the fourth quarter. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> like, it, it frustrates because they're good looks, and it's just like his legs just look tired. Yeah. Well, okay, so now you're another year older. You're on in this deal for four years, and you're Joel Embiid's backup 
like plan. If he ever needs load management, sit out 20 games, an injury. A 31-year-old 30, is you're your load management. You're going to go back to, to playing center. So there's no days off for Al Horford yeah. anymore. And I saw how those legs looked. That, that jump shot looked flat. Al Horford, you're 33 years old right now. 33. So, you know, like, I, I get the money. Like, you can't turn that down. Right. But, man, like, you're putting a lot of faith in the development of Ben Simmons. This is what all this tells me is you so wholeheartedly believe in Ben Simmons becoming basketball god that you're willing to say, we don't need Jimmy Butler and all his creation. We're, we're willing to pay Tobias Harris just to keep him because we like this guy. He knows his role. Joel Embiid, I, I'm not going to say Joel Embiid's peaked, but Joel Embiid's peaked. <laughs> And this is this is completely reliant on Ben Simmons continuing to develop at like an exponentially high rate for Philly to win a championship to me still. What like and we haven't really seen signs of that. Like Ben Simmons was good, but like everyone talks about Jason Tatum st- taking a step back or not really taking a step forward. Ben Simmons did the same thing in I know. his second year and like he didn't develop a jump shot. Like, he straight up has not developed a jump shot. And we're looking at, what, his third year in the NBA? One of those he didn't play. Granted. You still don't have a jumper, though? What? what, Like, at least Lonzo can kind of shoot it. But, like, Ben Simmons, like, still just has no... Like, apparently he can shoot it in practice. Cool. Shoot it all you want in practice. Willie Cauley-Stein can make it in practice. Willie Cauley-Stein, in his draft, like, workout videos, is making eight three-pointers in a row in, in practice. This dude can't shoot a 10-foot jump shot in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, like, that... What's the difference here? Yeah. I mean, like, you just gotta... I mean, like, if Ellen Brand must have had a conversation with Ben Simmons, and was like, look, like, we can't... Like, at some point, like, this is you. Yeah, this is. And the thing is, at this point, like, he's still on his rookie deal. And I know this is way off topic, but, like, trading him, like, money-wise just doesn't work. So you can't, if you eventually come to realize Ben Simmons is not the guy that can get you over the hump, you got to wait a couple years until his extension kicks in to really trade him for value. Because right. otherwise you're just getting nothing really in return for him. Okay, well, so you're just delaying this a couple years? Al, For- <laughs> Al Horford doesn't have a couple years. I'm not sure Joel Embiid's knees have a couple years. Right. Like, you got to start like making this happen like now. To me, like their window's the next three years. Yeah, I mean, like that. This is this is uh, what I mean. It, ever since the Jimmy Butler move, this has been Philly's mindset: is when now. Um, and I'm not sure. Like, you nailed it on the head. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are that window fits them, but we'll have to see going forward with this Philly team because, oof, if it doesn't work out, Elton Brand's job is going to be on the line here. <laughs> I mean. I got to reward the dude for for taking a swing and like yeah. actually being able to get players to come. Whereas right. like the Knicks don't get anyone to come. Like you take swings and they just miss. Philly, I mean, you're making contact, but but what's really happening with yeah. it all? Like at the end of the day, is, does it just like sound nice coming off the bat and but it doesn't result in anything? I don't. I'm not convinced that this team, which we rattled off their lineup, is a better team than last year's team. I'm. I, I definitely get the argument for it is. I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm not convinced it is better though. Yeah, I mean, like you're, 
your off the dribble playmaking like is just not just not there. Like who's like Ben Simmons? Everyone's gonna stand thirty feet off of him because yeah. no, all you have to do is a guard right in front of the rim. Like, are you just relying on Joel Embiid to make play make that much for you? I and mean, Al Horford to play make that much for you? Because Tobias Harris Horford, isn't doing it. That's the thing. Like Tobias Harris has to score. Josh Richardson has to score, like perimeter scoring. And that's what I'm talking about. Like Al Horford, he can you know do some some old man game in the post, but Joel Embiid's there too. Joel Embiid for all the the all that he thinks he's a shooter, he's not. He's a thirty percent three point shooter. Yeah. Like Derek Favors is a thirty percent three point shooter. Like, and we don't think of him as a three point shooter. Joel Embiid just takes them and occasionally makes them in the playoffs. And like you're like, oh okay, but then he does it, and you're like, why are you firing from out there? Go go to the block. But then Al Horford kind of does the same thing sometimes. It's like, dude, just go to the block and do your old man game. Right. Like, I, there's just and then Ben Simmons. What's like you just said the complaint? He can't shoot from anywhere he has to be right there i'm confused on how this is actually going to be better in the playoffs regular season this team could just be such a matchup nightmare and like a defensive stalwart you could i you could win 55 games with this this lineup yeah i'm not sure you still get out of the second round of the playoffs again and to me you build this team for the playoffs if you're signing al horford to a four-year hundred million dollar deal you got to build for the playoffs don't feel like it's a playoff like a championship playoff team you theoretically have four post guys on the floor you do and tobias harris al horford joel and and ben simmons harris is most comfortable mid-range and in yeah like that's where he's he's made his money and he's expanded it to to three and it's not like he's like the a 45 percent three-point shooter he's you know 40-ish percent on catch and shoot wide open threes okay no offense, a lot of guys are. <laughs> like, in today's NBA, a lot of guys are. He's just bigger than a lot of them. Right. So it's like, you've got four guys who are more comfortable 15 feet and in. That, that, that doesn't really work well. And even Josh Richardson. He was a slash, cut-off ball, like, attack-the-basket guy who has developed a three-point shot. There's a commonality here with these Philly players, and it's one that the modern NBA doesn't like. Yeah. I'm looking at maybe Toronto, and you're like, okay, well, Toronto went a little big. They played Gasol and Ibaka together at times for like three, four, five-minute spans. They played Pascal and Ibaka or Gasol. They were bigger, but Pascal brought something a little different. So much and more playmaking on that yeah, Toronto team. And to me, like that would feel more like Tobias at the four, yeah. not, not Al at the four. And again, love Al Horford. I wouldn't criticize this deal at all if Philly didn't have a center, but they do. And right. it's a franchise center who they've already invested in a whole bunch of money. So it just doesn't quite make sense to me how this is all actually going to materialize on the court. Maybe the character is better. Okay, cool. Chemistry is better. It, what? So you can have a, a watch party for the NBA finals <laughs> at, at Tobias' house? We're going to get along then? Is that Toby what we're doing? Uh, Boban. Throwing a uh, watch party. You better uh, bring back Boban. You better. I mean, their backup center is what killed them in the playoffs. <laughs> so they didn't. I mean, like they've gotten better, I guess. But like, you can't play Al forty-eight minutes a game. You can't. Can't do it. So let, we'll we'll just run through a couple of our tier tier one free agents. Kind of cool down a little bit. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm mad. Uh, <laughs> so Kimba got his money in Boston. We talked about it. We we thought he'd get it, signed it four year. I mean, he not signed it, but 
because he can't sign until July 6th. Four years, 141 million. Other than they threw a little shade at Charlotte um, in his interview with SVP. I gave, I gave him all the chances I could every single day. Went in there, gave him a chance, and I'm here now. Um, Love it. Yeah, get your money, go to Boston. For Boston, it's a good replacement. Yeah. Um, as good as it could be, honestly. Clay stays in Golden State, five years, 190 million. Um, apparently, there's no options on it. Just kind of your safe, standard contract. Um, I, Golden State doesn't do no trade clauses or options for that kind of money. They didn't do it with Steph either. So really wasn't surprised there. It was a little weird that that deal got announced late, like later, but happened. And then last one um, for our kind of tier one major free agents was the Dallas Mavericks, giving Kristaps his five-year, $158 million deal. But from what's reported, my only little surprise here, it's kind of the same idea. Surprised there's like no injury clauses mm. involved in this or like a team option on like the fifth year of this. He was a restricted free agent, so they could definitely like throw that in there. Yeah, like you can negotiate that in because that's the most amount of money you could give him. 158 right. was the max. Right. So with that though, like if you're saying like we're giving you max years and max money, you can you can get a no injury clause or some sort of injury clause in Incentive there. Incentive like, to yeah, say. Like it's really a, let's just say like a, a hundred... $40 million deal and and every year there's a $4 million incentive if you play 60 games that yep. year which you know Kristaps maybe he's not excited about but again you can negotiate those type of things or like exactly the parameters of it or again just like a team option on the fifth year like this dude hasn't played essentially two of the first four years we won't offer this deal I feel like one or at least one of those is reasonable for Dallas so a little surprised nothing's come of that. Not saying there isn't going to be, but a little surprised. Yeah. I mean, you traded for him, though. You went and got him. You did. And I think this is also kind of like a, hey, we take care of our dudes to Luca as well for, like, future. Yeah. Um, peeling back to the Clay thing, did you see his Instagram post about the yeah. wolf on Wall Street? Love it. Amazing. Not, Absolutely amazing. Not going anywhere. Some other words. Not going anywhere. <laughs> so then we kind of get into our, like, our next tier of guys. Um, we'll start with D'Angelo Russell and, and this kind of madness. So it's, at first we were just like, okay, KD to the Nets. Okay. Yeah. Kind of not going to say saw it coming, but kind of saw it coming. All right. Now D'Angelo Russell, now they're making it a sign in trade. D'Angelo Russell going to Golden State on a four year, $117 million deal. Wow. Wow. Like this is the one, like it happened like last night, like. I'm trying to go to sleep. Like, nope. Can't <laughs> do that. I was walking my dog, about to go to bed, and I saw this pop across, and I was like, what in the world? So I had thought of this. Like, man, and we were talking off air about this. I go and stay. I was like, they're screwed. Like, if they yeah. just let Katie walk, they're just, like, financially screwed. You have no money to really bring in anyone, just, like, the way you can acquire players in the NBA. Like, there's only so much you can do in terms of, like, you can't just go sign, like, just anyone and just spend, 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 spend. You can go over the tax, really, or over the cap, even, to go out and re-sign your own guys. For bird rights, yeah. But, but you can't just go sign random free agent A and just go super huge over the tax. They could have done it with KD if they would have re-signed him. So, essentially, they did. They re-signed him and then traded him to Brooklyn. Same thing, Russell traded to Golden State now. Subsequently, though, they've, they've had to drop Andre Iguodala onto the Memphis Grizzlies for a future first also. 
Rest in peace to the Hamptons Five. It's, it's or the coma lineup, a death lineup, whatever you want to call it. It's it's done now. I'm I'm a little surprised this got done. I am absolutely shocked. So like I guess the idea when Clay comes back, he plays the three, and like you just have three two ball handlers, three ball handlers with Draymond, D'Angelo, D'Lo, and Steph. Yeah. And maybe this takes the burden off Steph a little bit. Steph's a little bit older. You get a little bit younger, too, with this deal. Because mm. D'Angelo's, what, 22, 23? 23. Maybe kind of future-proofing yourself a little bit here, too, if you feel like D'Lo could be a guy, a yeah. future perennial all-star. Like, there's just, like, a, a weird rumor being thrown around. Like, D'Angelo Russell is not longed for Golden State. Like, he's there this year. But, like, he's... He's not there for four years, which is like, why are you trading? What? <laughs> I did you just go for a talent grab and then hope like you can trade him and like fill out a roster later on? Maybe like I'm kind of grasping at straws here. And it's not because I don't get the idea, but it's just like, how did you convince yourself that this was the right move? I get the sign and trade idea because you don't want to let KD just walk. And this was kind of the best you could make of the situation. But man, like, you're right. Like, Clay playing the three when he comes back in February, March, whenever he eventually is able to come back, does Steph and Russell work even up until then? Yeah. Are we back to the Steph Monte Ellis <laughs> era? <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, like I, I just don't know. Like, I, what it, is? Are they gonna bring back Draymond now next summer? Like that to, to me, yes. But to me, like it's almost like a trigger. Like you bring back Draymond on whatever extension you give him, you trade D'Angelo Russell. Mm. Like it's a this happens and then this happens. Like it, they they go together because you can't be paying Draymond twenty five plus million dollars a year, which is I imagine at least what he's gonna get or he's gonna ask for. I mean, he has to ask for it. He was one of their best players in the finals. Yeah, and then you then trade. D'Angelo to fill out the team around Clay, Steph, Dre. Yeah. Which, that that idea makes sense. D'Angelo helps you get to the playoffs and be a six-ish seed until Clay can come back. You see how the playoffs go this year. Probably not as well as it has been, but you see how it goes. You make D'Angelo Russell look appealing because he's a featured part of this team right. for a majority of the season. And then you flip the asset. It's just like, I thought, you know, we're we're hearing D'Angelo Russell to the to the Suns, D'Angelo Russell to the Timberwolves, D'Angelo Russell, you know, maybe to Miami, and then Golden State. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I feel I would if I were D'Angelo Russell, I would be shocked. Like you had apparently conversations with Carl Anthony Towns about going to Minnesota, and all of a sudden you're on a multiple time championship contender i don't know it i guess bob myers got his extension and just like had to roll the dice and this is the best deal they could get done like i think that's ultimately what it comes down to it was like well i guess kd is leaving so we're not going to be oklahoma city and get nothing for him this report came out from usa today the suns chose not to pursue d'angelo russell because they felt he wouldn't be a good influence on devin booker what (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> but Ricky Rubio is going to be, like, I'll, responsible? 
I'll tell you, is that, is that what you're paying Ricky Rubio for? We'll get to Ricky Rubio and, and his terrible contract here in a little bit. Um, next one, though, I want to talk about was Terry Rozier. Man, Man boy. Secured, secured his bag um, in Charlotte. Three years, about $58 million. And ha- this may end up being a sign-in trade with ha- Boston. Have fun losing all but, like, two games. Oh, my gosh. Like, Charlotte, what are you doing? You weren't willing to pay Kimba Walker his money, but you're willing to pay Terry Rozier about $20 million a year? Like, step up and, like, are, are you essentially saying Kimba Walker's not worth 12 to $15 million per year more? Because to me, he is. I mean, absolutely. Terry Rozier is, like, not the dude you want starting on your as your point guard. Like, he's been a nice backup point guard. And again, we get into, is is this going to help foster the young players you have? And like, clearly you're a bad team now. Like, just straight up, you you suck. Right. So, is Terry Rozier going to help Malik Monk? Is Terry Rozier going to help Miles Bridges? Is Terry Rozier going to help Cody Zeller, PJ Washington? No. <laughs> no, he's that not. PJ Washington pick like, as Kemba's Looks leaving. a thousand times worse. Yeah. Yeah, you drafted a guy to to help you in the playoffs, or to help you kind of just maneuver those last like few minutes you would need to have a good backup with your number twelve overall pick in the draft. And now that to me that's just a worthless pick. I like PJ Washington. He'll be in the NBA for a while. Cool, but like he's not an upside play you take. Could you trade him now? That just seems so ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like. Uh... Like, you're going to get, like, pennies on the dollar for him, right? Like, you already know what the pick is. You made the pick. Right. You you are now saying, we don't want this guy. You're not going to get a pick number 12 in the draft value back to P.J. Washington. So now, like, this just makes Charlotte's offseason, including the draft, look like, I mean, an even bigger crap show than it already was. I mean, this, like, they've just done, like, everything wrong. They like I mean, everything wrong. I I get why you know Marvin Williams and and Michael Kidd Gilchrist pick up their player options because they're getting paid fifteen and thirteen million dollars per year respectively. But man, it's like we gotta go back to Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> Can I really? get traded? <laughs> like seriously? Oh, you need to be asking for a trade. Like you you definitely need to be. And maybe it's like oh we can help a a team or something. But like man, Charlotte's just screwed this up. Yeah. And, Sign in trade maybe a possibility just to Boston would want to do it to open up some more flexibility with their exceptions and who they can then go sign um, out in free agency. But then really it's they have to convince Brooklyn to get in on this um, with the Kyrie aspect of it, and I don't know why they would. So there's still a few days. Maybe that that changes between now and July 6 when this stuff can sure. officially be signed and sure. everything. But even if you're Boston, like, you still made all this, okay? You got Kimball Walker. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, that's still a win. Charlotte, you lost Kimball Walker. You went out and signed Terry Rozier to almost $20 million a year. You have, like, literally no cap space anymore. It's not going to help your young players develop. I mean, you're going to be bad, I guess. Whether you want to tank or not, you're going to be bad. And But maybe you end up like some of these, like, the Knicks that got the number six pick. Not the number one pick. Right. Like, you're not guaranteed a number one pick for tanking anymore. Like, you have so many holes to fill on this team. Like, you... <laughs> you're paying Nick Batum. Like oh, jeez. 
like you have all these guys at like 10, 15 million dollars a year that just aren't like a part of your team, but like you refuse to trade them either for like assets. Yeah. Like you can't just take in bad money for assets because you're capped out. You're capped out. Yeah. Like this team is just so poorly constructed and, and this has been building for a few years and this is just the ultimate culmination of it. Like this is what happens. Right. When you have three, four straight years of incompetent GM and ownership, like this is what you get. And I don't blame Kimba for walking. I don't blame Terry Rozier for taking the money. Oh, absolutely not. We talked about like Terry Rozier should be like pretty thankful if he gets 15 million a year. Dude got almost 20. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to his agent. Yeah. I mean, like, hey, he obviously convinced Charlotte that they, I mean, they needed a starting point guard and now they got one for. I mean, $5 million, I think, over the asking price, probably. But, like, they got their dude, that I guess. Difference. So, there, there's that note for Charlotte. Didn't, didn't love that deal. Terry loves it. Uh, a couple quick ones. Chris Milton gets paid to stay in Milwaukee. Five years, $178 million. No hometown discount this time. Took one on his last deal. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think this is also Milwaukee saying, like, hey, Giannis, uh, next season. Remember this. Remember this. Yeah. Smart one um, there. We'll go and throw out this one also. Brooke Lopez extends with my Milwaukee. Four years, $52 million. Again, kind of a hefty price there, but he's perfect next to, Gian- next to Giannis. And again, that same idea. Like, look, you like playing with him. Worked out well this year. Perfect fit. We're going to keep him. You did? Yeah. One guy they couldn't keep, though, was Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. He went to Indiana. It was like the quiet deal of free agency, if there is one. Such a thing. Uh, got got lost in the in the storm of, of tweets. Yeah, of like the Katie and Kyrie thing. Good for Malcolm Brogdon for going to get paid. Um, Indiana getting another playmaker. Like I'll that, say. That's what we've been asking for this entire time on this Indiana, Indiana roster. So four years, $85 million for Brogdon to Indiana. Yeah, I just kept repeating the word love, 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 love in my notes next to this deal. Just... Because it's the perfect point guard to play next to Victor Oladipo once he comes back. He can play on the ball, play off the ball. He can shoot threes. He can play in the pick and roll. He'll play defense. Like, that defensive backcourt. It's going to be good. Like, that's incredible with Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo. Like, yeah. That's that's elite-level defense there. So, love this deal. Yeah, it's, on average, about $21 million a year. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty rich contract for... For a guy who's only been in the league a couple years, was a second-round pick. But Malcolm Brogdon showed you in the playoffs. Like, he was the second-best player for Milwaukee. Yeah. He really was, uh, in all respect to Chris Middleton. In the playoffs, it was Malcolm Brogdon. I think you see that, and you go, like, this is a guy who will win you a playoff game or two. And if you're Indiana, yeah, obviously this year did not end the way you wanted, but the injury to Oladipo happened. If you can get Oladipo healthy... Going into the playoffs, this is a good young team still. Miles Turner can maybe take another step forward. You got TJ Warren. You you have something here. Like you really, really do. It's not a championship team. Yeah. The East is just too strong for this to be a championship team. But this is the biggest pain in the backside. Probably gets the second round though. Team out there. It feels like Utah of the West. It like does. before Utah made all these moves this summer. Like it just feels like well-constructed team they have a guy yeah and they're just gonna like bore you to death and 
defense the crap out of you. Like, you're not, like, every possession is a grind. Yeah. Like, good luck scoring, like, 110 points on this team a game. Yeah. You're just not. And then you bring in another nice little signing in Jeremy Lamb for $10 million a year for three years. Good deal. Like, yeah. Good deal. I, I thought, you know, Jeremy Lamb's market was going to be somewhere like 10 to 15. Gone for 10. He can start while Oladipo's out. And then, we'll honestly, he's like, seems happy going to the bench and being the sixth man when he's back. Like, that's just another perfect signing there. I, I like what Indiana's really doing here. And they knew Milwaukee, like, once they were getting Middleton, they knew they wanted to keep Lopez. They re-signed George Hill also. They'd already signed Eric Bledsoe to an extension. They're going to have to pay Giannis next year. You literally can't pay all these guys. Yeah. We, we talked about this a couple months ago. Like Milwaukee's window is these next couple of years to real, go get guys, bring them back, and play for a championship. You can't bring them all back. Indiana took advantage of that. That's a savvy move to do in free agency. In the mix of all that first-day chaos, they went and poached this guy. But Indiana did lose someone in the process. They lost mm. Boyan Bogdanovich. Lands up in Utah. This is like, a, like I was before, like in the Conley trade, I had made the remark like they don't have a wing. Like they straight up don't have a wing. Yeah. They got their wing. Like this is it. Like yeah. this awesome. Finally a good shooter. Like yeah. finally a good shooter in Utah. Like what a crazy idea. Like you flip essentially Jay Crowder to get Bogdanovich. Yeah, I'll say big, big, huge upgrade here. Four years, $73 million. Again, it's a, it's a lot of money. But honestly, the fact that he got, he didn't get $20 million a year on average. Like, it's it's closer to to 18. Like, that's a pretty good deal for Utah. This is just the going rate for shooting in the NBA. Yeah. Like, shooters are going to get paid. And, like, 18, getting him for under $20 million a year, like, awesome. Like, look at that compared to, like, something like a deal like Terry Rozier, like we just talked about. Like, different type of player, understandably, but, like, you're getting a guy who fits your system. Yeah. So, with this team now, like, Utah's going for it. Like, they really are. You mentioned Conley, obviously Donovan Mitchell, still have Joe Ingles, now bringing in Boyan Bogdanovich, obviously have Rudy Gobert. I mean... That's that's as good of a starting five as you're going to find just about anywhere. I mean, just straight up from top to bottom for this year's NBA. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it, taking advantage of what could be people are calling, like, a redshirt year for Golden State. Like, this is better than Houston Rockets lineup right now, right? Top to bottom, I would say it's definitely deeper. You can argue, like, James Harden, how much does he make up for with the other guys? But, I mean, like... Then knowing the defense that comes with Utah, too, and just, like, their ability to make people's lives difficult, man, it, I, I feel pretty decent about saying Utah is a better team. Like, you give the edge to Conley over CP3. James Harden point, yeah. is better than Donovan Mitchell, straight up. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, the three, if you want to say bogdanovich at the three i guess i think ingles is ingles. the three so ingles and what pj tucker or austin rivers whoever you're gonna roll out there eric for gordon. eric gordon like those kind of guys take each other out i'll say kind of a wash and then pj tucker and bogdanovich i would, I would take bogdanovich I, I would too he's a better shooter and he can playmate kind of and yeah. then rudy gobert is better than clint capella yeah better defender 
So it's really just how much can James Harden make up for? Yeah. Like, and and that's something we've seen Utah though take take this away. Yeah. Like they they have that ability to make superstars say no. You someone else is gonna make, win the game, but it's not gonna be you. You might still get your 25, 30 points, but someone else is gonna win the game. Utah's been good about that. I gotta trust like they're building this, and you're right. They see the window. It, realistically, with their contracts, how it all lines up, it's the next two years. If you really want to go poach a championship, it's the next two years from Donovan Mitchell still on his rookie deal. Rudy Gobert is still on his extension. Joe Ingles is still signed through the 2021 season. That's his last year of his deal. Like, this is it. This is the window. They're going for it. I like it. I like the aggressiveness. Utah, you don't get these guys otherwise. Right. So go do it now. Love this deal. Absolutely. Last couple small ones um, before we move on to some other deals. Um, just like... Some, some on the fringe moves that maybe we loved and maybe we hated. Break this down a little bit. Um, Harrison Barnes extends with Sacramento, four years, 85 million. R- too rich for me, whatever though. Sacramento, do your thing. Um, Nikola Vucevic stays with Orlando, four years, $100 million. My question there is who are you bidding against? Um, who else was offering Vucevic? 80, $90 million. Why'd you have to pay 100? Um, but this then kind of conflicts with some other signings that they they did in free agency, um, like Al Farouk Aminu. Why'd you bring in Al Farouk Aminu for three years, $29 million? Like, and you drafted Chumo Kiki, and you already had uh, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, and Mo Bamba. What are you doing here? We'll get to another one of the signings here in a minute. Like, Orlando, you, do you realize like what the NBA <laughs> is? Like, I know we say positionless basketball, but... You're going the other way. Yeah. They're going all centers. Good luck. Um, so here's some last few signings that maybe we loved and maybe we hated. Um, but we shouldn't throw them out there. Pat Beverly. Staying with the Clippers. Hey, I called this. You did. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. They said he wanted a three or $40 million deal. It's exactly what he got. Um, and you still have space for Kawhi or other free agents because of just bird rights for Pat Beverly. He can be your last technical signing, um, just the way you can time out the deals, the way you submit them to the league office, and have that space still. You get your guy, obviously, like the culture, quote-unquote culture, right. you try and build, like, he's the epitome of it. Whether he starts or not, I honestly don't think it really matters to him. I'm sure he wants to start, but he doesn't really have to. He's getting paid, and he's going to yeah. be on a very good team. So I think that's all that matters. You're living in L.A., living your best life. Uh, I'm all for this Patrick Beverly deal. Absolutely. Love it. Hated the Ricky Rubio one, though, to Phoenix. <laughs> just straight up. I know James Jones a few weeks ago said, we're going to bring in a, a veteran point guard to put next to Devin Booker. That's why we're not going to draft one. Did Was Ricky Rubio the guy you had in mind? Because not who I would have wanted. I mean, like it kind of makes sense pairing him next to, I guess, Devin Booker. Play Booker more off ball back yeah. to where he originally was, I guess. But you're still like not getting shooting any real sh- substantial shooting out of Rubio, and like what, like, like uh, what are you expecting from Rubio? Like three yeah. or fifty one million dollars? Like what are your expectations? Pass the ball to Devin Booker. <laughs> <laughs> if that's it, anybody can do that. JJ Barea yeah. coming off an Achilles injury could have done that. So that's that's just my thing is that's a lot of money. And, I mean, Ricky Rubio, obviously winning's not the most important thing here. It was secure this last big contract right. in the NBA. 
which because no one else is giving him 17 million dollars a year on average no i don't think i think once indiana clearly was going in that different direction of malcolm brogdon felt like they could poach him away ricky Rue was kind of left without a team yeah and sure enough though here comes phoenix <laughs> they they're gonna be like oh no we got your rick and, <laughs> and they gave him this deal and it, Devin Booker has clearly developed that part of the game where he can play with the ball in his hands. He doesn't need to just be a run-off-the-screen shooter anymore. Right. He can play with the ball in his hands. He can play pick-and-roll. Well, Ricky Rubio can't shoot threes. So that means to make him an effective player, to make this contract at least somewhat worthwhile, Ricky Rubio has the ball in his hands. And Devin Booker doesn't because there's only one ball on the court. Right. right. Not, sh- not sure you've watched basketball recently. <laughs> So, I mean, like, even if, like, in the pick and roll, the number one pick from last year, DeAndre Ayton, like, you can't run. Pop guy. You can't r- pick and roll with Ricky Rubio and him because everyone's going to go under screens. Yeah. So, I'm very confused um, with Phoenix, how you, between the draft and this, just how you've approached all this. Like, legit Ty Jerome, your 24th pick is a better fit than Ricky Rubio. <laughs> so. I'm very, I'm very confused with Phoenix. I'm not surprised that I'm confused with Phoenix, but here we are yet again. Phoenix and their point guard problems. Um, do you love though JJ Redick going to New Orleans? Yes. Uh, two years, twenty-six and a half million. At the very least, space for Zion. Also, another questionable Philly move is like you're just letting this guy walk. I'll say it's not like he has a ton of money. It's not like they were offering him like thirty, thirty-five million a year. Two for twenty six, that's that's a reasonable deal for for JJ Redick. I mean, that's what they were paying him the last two years. Yeah, like it was like a one year deal both years, and it was like thirteen million. Yeah, twelve, thirteen, something like that. Yeah, so it's like, what, why did you not want to commit to a second year? Like, what was it too much money? Because very clearly, like they need that spacing in Philly. Now, parts of their Philly seasons, like JJ Redick running off screens and shooting open threes, like that. Yeah, that was it. Maybe if you're thinking, like, we're getting Josh Richardson back in the Jimmy Butler deal, Jimmy, or not Jimmy, J.J. would have to come off the bench. Maybe J.J. Redick wasn't on board with that. And so maybe he's just like, I'm just not coming back. Just straight up. Maybe that was the issue more. It's, it's one of those, like, who, who knows? We may never know. But for New Orleans, at the very least, I, I love this idea. This probably mm-hmm. bump if, if that was the idea that he didn't want to come off the bench, this bumps Lonzo out of the starting lineup. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're you, not bringing... You can't play JJ at the three. You're not bringing Drew Holiday off the bench. Obviously, at the amount you're paying him. So, and Drew being a centerpiece for this team. So, Drew and JJ have to be your backcourt. Right? Yeah. Unless, like, you, you you say, like, listen, like, we'll bring you in. You're a six-man. Like, you're going to be the first guy in for either Drew or Lonzo. And then we're going to let those guys get a rest and then come in with the second union. Yeah. You can get I, creative there, but like I, if Reddick's willing to come off the bench, then yeah, you have a lot more creativity, a lot more flexibility there for how you structure your lineups, either starting lineups or just rotations in New Orleans. So like, if if he's open to it, there's a lot of flexibility there. I very much enjoy that idea. If he's not, I'm still okay with it because yeah. I'm cool with Lonzo coming off the bench and just destroying second units. Like that's a pretty good. He's idea. He's gonna own second unit point guards. Yeah, like them, like defensively, like. That's just going to be a thing. So I, I like this idea, and, and especially you got to get J.J. Redick on the court as much as you can with Zion. Yeah. As much as you can. Can you imagine a Zion-J.J. Redick dribble handoff? 
That's gonna be amazing. Like, like there's no like getting around Zion. You, oh, you go over. <laughs> like, okay, just dump it back to Zion. Um, right. You you stay under. JJ Reddick's hitting that three. Like you can get very very creative here if you're Alvin Gentry. Let alone just the running aspect of it. Like whatever transition defense there is against you, if JJ Reddick runs to a three. Transition defense has to run out there. Right. Which just clears the lane. So I very much love this for New Orleans. That's a good price and a pretty, I'd say that's a fair amount of years too. JJ Redick at 35, I think, really re realistically should not be looking for more than a two year deal at that kind of money. Found it, found a good deal. So I'm, I'm happy with this. Yeah, me too. David Griffin trying to win executive deal in July. Already. I don't know if a potentially non-playoff team can get an executive of the year, but man, he's trying his best. Yeah. Uh, JJ Redick is 35. So at the end of this, you're paying him t at 37 and you're fine with that because he's just a vet who can yeah. like teach these guys how to play. Can, can part of his deal be him? He's the shooting coach for Lonzo. Is, is that a thing? Um, I mean, he said, he said on podcasts that he was willing to teach Markel Fultz how to shoot. So okay, you want another project. <laughs> Here you go. Um, Oh, a wing that I didn't like the deal, though, was Terrence Ross. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do a guard, a wing, a forward, a big. Didn't like that one with Orlando. It's not that the per-year money was what I hated. It was the duration of the contract. So yep. he signed four years, $54 million for Orlando. Who are you bidding against? <laughs> I'll throw it out there again. We threw it out there with Nick Vucevic. Throwing it out here again, Orlando. You're, you're paying... About $14 million a year on average, a little less than that. That's not unreasonable for Terrence Ross. But why are you doing it for four years? What, what's, what's the point here? Did Terrence Ross show you that much? I'm not sure about that. And if you're willing to give him a long-term deal, did you have to pay him that much? Could you have gotten for a little less? I, I mean, like, if you think of Terrence Ross and even, like, thinking ahead as an uh, in the front office of Orlando, like, you would want him on a shorter-term contract to make him a tradable asset. Yeah. Like a two plus one would have been perfect for Terrence and, Ross. And being that one is a team option. Right. I think would have, would have been the best. Yeah. And, and then you could make it ascending. So like balloon it towards the end so that if you do end up trading him, you're not having to pay him that money. And plus you can get more assets back that way. Yeah. So as this four year, unless there's some sort of options or, or non guarantees on it that just haven't been reported yet. I'm just really not the biggest fan of this deal. I I get why you wanted to keep him. Just the, the shooting he does provide. But now your team is all those forwards and centers we rattled off. Plus, Yvonne Fournier and Terrence Ross. <laughs> and still, you don't have a point guard. But Markel Fultz, Matt. You got DJ Augustine for a year, I guess, again. You want to just run that back? Like, I, That's just what really gets me going here. Is Why did you spend the money on Terrence Ross? Whenever it feels like you have a different position of need, why'd you overspend on him and Nick Vucevic when you really didn't need to? I don't know. This is just kind of, they're getting in their own way. And at the end of the day, like, I just, I hate that idea. Because you showed, like, you have some potential. You made the playoffs this year. Got to the playoffs. You, you took a game from Toronto. Won the championship. So there's something there in Orlando, but it seems like they're getting in their own way a bit. This may be one that not a ton of people agree with, but... I loved the Julius Randle deal. I loved it. Him going to the Knicks for three years, $63 million. Hey, if you're going to swing and miss on the big guys, 
take a chance on a young dude who has like some legit upside. Yeah, I mean, like it's not horrible. Uh, I will say that. I don't know if I necessarily love this as much as you do. Um, I kind of like the idea though, RJ Barrett and Julius Randle. Yeah. Like that's a nice pick and roll combo you can live with. Um, because Julius Randle has more shooting than Zion does. And like they ran that pick and roll quite a bit at Duke. So, um, I, I feel like as New York, like you can kind of say like, yeah, we can bring him in to kind of help Kevin Knox get better, help, help RJ Barrett get acclimated to the league. Like in, in theory here, the Knicks, even though you, you missed on all the big guys, this young prospects, because Julius Randle's only 24, this young prospects idea you have is something like Dennis Smith at point guard yep. or, or whatever you want to work out there. You got R.J. Barrett still. You got Kevin Knox at the three, Julius Randle at the four, Mitchell Robinson at the five. Yeah, that the team sucks. You're, you're tanking again. But, man, that's a, that is a good, in theory, a good young starting five that can develop into something now will it not so sure about that (laughs) yeah not it all depends on how much you're buying kevin knox potential mitchell robinson potential rj barrett potential but like julius randall like proved this like this dude's a legit nba player he averaged 21 points per game on three attempts per game he shot 34 percent from three you can live with that like that's league average he shot in 2015-16 a half three-point attempt per game on average in the following season one per game last year with the lakers a half an attempt per game and he stepped it up to three this year like <clears throat> he has developed this because it was not there now it is right and you don't shoot three a game at that percentage and it you call it a fluke like there's there's some very real upside there his effective field goal percentage it's gotten better the last couple of years i think he's a really good rebounder I, I think he, although the defense isn't still quite there, he's gotten better. Yeah. Like, there's something there in Julius Randle. I'm not saying, like, that's a, one of your top two players on a championship team. But, man, like, he might be a third or fourth player on a championship team. Yeah. And, like, it's kind of a tradable contract, too. Like, it's not like yeah. a, like you overpaid for Julius Randle and, like, mm-hmm. it's impossible to trade him. So, like, even if, like, you feel like you need to take on maybe a couple bad t- contracts and trade out Julius Randle, you can still get a couple picks for him, possibly. Oh, for sure. You should be able to get a couple picks for Julius Randle, and then you should get more picks for taking on bad contracts. Right. If you choose to go that route. Now, the way the Knicks handled this offseason, we're going to get Wayne Ellington, <laughs> Reggie Bullock, Taj Gibson. They're, that does not signal to me, Bobby Portis also, that they're trying to just have space to acquire bad players on bad, or players on bad contracts and, ex- and get picks for it. That doesn't seem to be the route they're going. But all these deals, they do have that flexibility still. Yeah. If they choose to ever get to that point. But even so, I I like the chance. Julius Randle, yeah, he's not he's not a the sexy superstar we all wanted him to be coming out of the draft. But considering where he was, where he was going, I think he's made a, a pretty good name for himself. A pretty good spot in the NBA. Absolutely. I think the Lakers would like I mean, like, obviously the Lakers are trying to get quiet, but, like, if you had to ask them, they would probably like to have Julius Randle back. Pairing Julius Randle and Anthony Davis together? (laughs) Gold. Um, Yeah. A deal I didn't like so much in terms of of a power forward was Thad Young going to Chicago. Um, 
for three years, $41 million. Keep throwing this idea out there. Who are you <laughs> bidding against? <laughs> Who else was out there giving Thad Young $13, $14 million per year on average? I mean, like, like we talked about it on our uh, free agency, like his type of power forward, it's a, just like a dying breed in the NBA. A semi-stretch big who gives you good defense, and but it's more of like a team player. Looks good in a looks his best in a good team construct. I'm not gonna say Chicago is a good team <laughs> construct. <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's just bigs there already that right. you drafted in the top ten with Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter, and now you're paying Thad Young. Depending on how it works out, I'm sh I'm sure this is an ascending contract. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen million dollars per year, something like that. Is he coming off the bench? Uh, someone has to, unless you're <laughs> playing like the largest lineup in the league outside of Philly. I mean, you can't play Thad Young at the three. You literally can't do that. You can't play Laurie at the three. There's no way. Like, if anything, these all three of these guys are four fives. Right. So, again, what are you doing with this? I, I'm curious to see if there's a team option on that third year or like a partial guarantee or a non-guarantee and maybe that makes this a little more reasonable. But as of right now, what what I know, what, what's what been reported, I don't like this at all. I, Dan Young, you got paid. Good for you. Honestly, you take that money, you take the deal and just say, Chicago, figure, figure it out. Yeah. But Chicago, what are you doing? I was trying to compliment you after your draft. <laughs> I liked it. And now here we are. Uh, We're doing this again. Thad Young apparently just wants to be the leader of the leadership council. Oh, I, I would make sure there would be a kicker in my contract <laughs> for that. Like, if I end up being the leadership council leader, I am getting, like, a $4 million bonus or something like that. Or a million dollar bonus. Sure. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Sure, Thad Young. Sure, <laughs> Chicago. Chicago would do it. Um, last couple ones we'll throw out there um, and let Woj go, go drop some more bombs here in a bit. Um, Derek Favors, it's... It's not really a sign-and-trade, but that's kind of what's being reported as. So basically, it's he had a non-guaranteed year mm. for Utah. Yep. Instead of, quote-unquote, signing him, they, they guaranteed it and then traded him to New Orleans for a pick. Uh, like a, fir a future first and like a second. Um, so not really giving up anything. For one year, $17 million. Professional big man who can start next to Zion or come off the bench if you want because Derek Favors has shown he, he will do that. And I think he can help the young guys teach Jackson Hayes how to rebound. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, like that's the thought here. Obviously, bring in a vet for on an expiring contract and like help be a glue guy. Same yeah. thing as JJ Redick. So I like it. And and again, you can flip this guy again at the trade deadline um, if if you want, and honestly get kind of that compensation back that you gave out for him. I like this idea. It's a very simple move, but one that it matters, and maybe not in the huge grand scheme of things. But this could be the difference in winning an extra couple games in a year. So I like this idea for New Orleans. Last one. Man, what the hell happened with DeAndre Jordan? <laughs> this, was, this was incredible to me. Four years, $40 million to go meet up with his buddies in Brooklyn. I guess it pays to know people. It, it, isn't that like the, the phrase, it's all about who you know? Yeah. Man... DeAndre Jordan, he knows a couple guys. Good for DeAndre Jordan. Apparently getting his, what, second last co sec last contract on a big deal. Like, he's going to get 
$40 million, $10 million a year to come off the bench. I get. I guess come off the bench, right? Because Jared Allen's not coming off the bench. He started. Are we sure? Uh, if DeAndre Jordan comes off the bench, I'm gonna be. Sh- or I, if he doesn't come off the bench, I'm gonna be shocked. Yeah. Like you can't. You can't bring DeAndre. You can't start DeAndre Jordan. There's no way. You think? You think? But here we are. We're in 2019 with all these signing trades. Kevin Durant and Kyrie are teamed up on the Nets. Wilder things have happened in the last 24 hours, so who knows? I To me, he comes off the bench, but just the fact that he got a four-year deal for $40 million after watching DeAndre Jordan play basketball for the last couple years is amazing to me. Because like, the dude was like a $5 million a year player at best. I mean, like, if you look at his numbers, they're good, but if you actually watch him play basketball, it's like, ooh. Uh, you shouldn't be paying that guy more than like the vet minimum, probably. That's where I'd be more comfortable at. But to me, over four years, that's about $10 million. <laughs> Whereas you're paying him $10 million a year for four years. Just, I mean, good for him. You got the offer. Allegedly, KD or, or Kyrie are going to take slightly less than the max to make this happen. And the, the sign and trade with D'Angelo Russell also helps us out. But... I mean, I guess it's, this is really, I guess, this is the tax for Brooklyn. This is what you have to do to get your, those guys. <laughs> you, uh, you have to, ta- I mean, like, that was the tax with LeBron James as well. Not so, I mean, like, I'm not saying Kevin Durant or Kyrie are LeBron James or deserve the LeBron James treatment, but here we are. Here we are. Man, free agency. It's nuts. I just want some more Woj bombs. I want, I need a Kawhi Woj bomb. Like today, man. You just see like the more he's sitting out there, the more it's 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 the Lakers, it's the Lakers. Well, that's not from Woj. So until Woj or Shams puts it out there, I don't believe it. A lot of uh, I don't think Uncle Dennis is going out there telling people what what they're doing. I don't believe that at all. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see on Kawhi. We'll do an emergency podcast whenever he signs. It might be after Fourth of July. It might be before. Who knows? But Matt, this has been a lot of fun. My, fa- I think this is my favorite podcast we've done <clears throat> uh, ever because it's just all the shenanigans, all the madness, all the madness. Love it. Um, all right, so that's it for episode thirty-nine of the Couch GM Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us. Remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod and on Instagram Couch GM Podcast. Excuse me. Um, if you haven't already, find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, and leave us a rating and review. We'd greatly appreciate it. We'll see you um, after Kawhi signs and decides what he's going to do.